confusion for you. All eyes on Graham Paul. Simunic, I'm certain, was yellow carded earlier on. And Graham Paul has forgotten about it. Oh, and Siemens has been beaten. It's a goal. It's Ronaldinho. Oh, it's not a bad ball for Pelé on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. And oh, what a great goal that was. Rebel, icon, god, Maradona. It's almost impossible to talk about the World Cup without talking about Diego Armando Maradona. Players like him come along once in a generation. They raise the standard of the game and the idea of what is possible. They are the benchmark for future players to be measured against. Maradona sits among the greatest players of all time and today we pay homage, celebrate his life and look at his World Cup legacy. Tonight's Kempes. Kempes again. Finding Maradona. It's a good break by Argentina. Maradona tries the shot. What a lovely goal. Maradona makes it number two after 56 minutes. Maradona just walked away from Hoddleton. Saldado. Hoddleton. An appealing for offside. The ball came back off the foot of Steve Hodge. And Maradona gives Argentina the lead. The England players protesting to the referee. Welcome to another episode of Got Got Need. My name is Chris Robinson and I am joined, as always, by Liam Baxter. Chris, hello. What a fantastic introduction that was. That was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, listeners, you will have to forgive us today if, if it's a bit of a solemn tone. Um, we are recording this, you know, days, literally days after Maradona, Diego Maradona has passed away. It's not the podcast that we had plans to record but we wanted to continue with a celebration of his life and his skills and what he brought to the game and the joy that he brought to people inside and outside of of Argentina um, we had always planned to do an episode about Maradona um, one of the really fun things about the show is that we get the opportunity to talk about some of the greatest players of the game doing bits on the world stage um and he was an obvious choice for us to to, to talk about yeah it's it was it's been a really strange week isn't it because we ended we, we we recorded last week's podcast um sunday afternoon and we trailed that next week was going to be diego maradona the profile mm. um in the same vein that we've done 
uh, Ronaldo and Miroslav Klose already. We'd planned the entire time to do Diego Maradona this week. And so Monday, Tuesday, we're going back and forth like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, Mexico 86, the the, the official FIFA film this week. We're going to yeah. watch the Asif Capado documentary. We're going to try and watch the full 86 quarterfinal. And then the news breaks on Thursday, I think it was. 25th. Uh, yeah. 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 So that that he's he's passed away and it basically changes the tone of all the research that we've been doing because what started off as you know just just it was just us watching and like watching footage of one of our favorite players it then became this really strange like what there's going to be no more footage (laughs) so this is all this is all there is this is all she wrote so now it becomes this kind of I don't know, not so much a eulogy, because I think what we're going to try and do here is just talk about the football on the pitch mm-hmm. during World Cups, because there's been, play- if you, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of podcasts and written pieces, both online and in print, that will eulogise the man and talk mm-hmm. about who he was off the pitch and on the pitch and stuff. And I think this is just kind of our chance to to go back and watch every single World Cup game that he was involved in and just, you know... Um, talk about what we saw and enjoy yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah this is going to be this is a strange one i think we 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 both noted off off air that i mean i usually have around four pages of notes for for a podcast and today i have 13 pages (laughs) so that's the kind of that's the workload we're dealing with there (laughs) yeah exactly um uh, as always we are brought to you in association with, with with zico ball um and i'm you know if you're looking from an escape from the, uh, the the doom and gloom of you know the general world or the, you know the sadness of Maradona's passing, then there are some brilliant pieces on there um, to to go and have a look over. Um, something that I uh, found this week that I thought um, is really interesting and I, I learned a lot from it is Alex McNulty's piece about um, Athletic Bilbao's Basque only policy, the Cantera policy. Um, if you don't know what it is or how it works, do go and have a read. Um, like I say, I, I certainly took a lot from it. Um, and also, it's actually a really interesting challenge on Football Manager. So um, yeah, <laughs> do, do, do go and check yeah. that out. Um, yeah, yeah. funny enough, that's the one that I had noted down as well, the um, <laughs> the piece on yeah their, their Basconi policy. It's, it was it was a really good read and sort of touching on players like Inaki Williams and Ander mm. Herrera and stuff like that. So yeah, it was great. And uh, Ika Muniain, who's still there. Yeah, strangely enough, he's been around for a while now, but like yeah. was one of those players that was supposed to explode and just seems to have always stayed at Bilbao. So he's captain now. Yeah. So back to today's episode. Um, so obviously, you know, we're talking about uh, about Maradona and and you know focusing on his World Cup career. There's a lot that can be said about him from you know the the, the club side as well, but. We're going to, you know, and it's important to, you know, touch on that a little bit to set the scene and stuff. But we are going to be focusing particularly on on his World Cup performances. Um, I mean, as a as a player, um, you know, from from rewatching some of the clips and stuff. I mean, you just he's a really odd player in the sense that, you know, he's he doesn't have the attributes that you would consider that would make him this sort of star footballer. You know he's not the tallest, he's not the strongest, but he's he's small, he's nimble, he's got this supreme technical ability and this incredible footballing brain that just make him absolutely devastating. 
Um, and outside of Italy, people will probably most remember him in an Argentina shirt. And I think that's why, you know, when we did this t- this type of episode on on um, uh, Ronaldo, a lot of people remember him for what he did for in a Brazil shirt. And it's kind of the same with Maradona, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I think his some of the iconic photographs of Diego Maradona are in this sort of sky blue shirt of it's either of the sky blue of Napoli or the kind of sky blue and white of of Argentina um and there's there's just so many moments in in, in World Cup history that you can choose from to to talk about and we'll we'll touch on pretty much I think we're going to touch on everything over the next sort mm. of hour two hours so yeah <laughs> So yeah, so we've split this uh, into two parts um, for your benefit as well as ours, listener. Uh, part one will focus on the 1982 and 1986 World Cups. You know what the sort of the rise and peak of of Maradona, uh, and part two will look at um, not only um, 1990, but 1994, and also his um, stint as Argentina manager. Um, Which was colourful. Ind- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to say so the it's, least. A, it's another sort of twist in his sort of world cup story i suppose um you know i never never certainly saw that coming so um so yeah look look out for that um we'll start a little bit by talking about sort of what maradona means to us as individuals um and i'm going to throw this to you to start with liam because you've been to naples i've i've spent some time in italy i've been to a few different places in italy but i've never been to naples and you've walked through those streets and sort of seen what he means to that city yeah it's um it's uh, the 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 trip to naples wasn't some kind of football pilgrimage that i'd like to tell everyone it was it was just sort of my wife's 30th birthday and he decided to go and find some <laughs> sun somewhere and it just when she chose naples i was sort of rubbing my hands together like here we go <laughs> i can kind of walk the streets and just look out for all these maradona murals and candles and and bars and churches and stuff that that just have his image plastered all over it. Um, Diego Maradona to, I get, I mean, to me, it's like, I'm, I'm, I was born in 1991. Um, I'll make it clear that I was never, like I'd never saw Diego Maradona play a game of football. Uh, I never saw him kick a ball live. So he's not the reason that I fell in love with football. Unlike some people who, if, if you listen to any content this week, there will be people telling you that Diego Maradona is the reason that they fell in love with football. It's not for me. But Diego Maradona is the embodiment of why I personally love football. He's he's kind of unbridled talent and unchained genius. And he's just this ethereal character that just make for story after story after story. It's just like he's the epitome of like the narrative footballer. Um, like the, the football player himself and the, the deity and the god that he became is just everything that I love about the game. And it's 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 why I like talking on this podcast, why both of us talk so fondly about him. It's just... The passion that you see in his face, both on the pitch and then in even two years ago in 2018, watch when he's in the stands as a fan watching Argentina play, it just bleeds out into the ether around him, and it kind of gets reflected back into him by all, by, by by the the fat the Argentina fans, the Napoli fans, Barcelona fans at the time, um, and he he's a kind of player that just he polarizes people, right? So. Mm. People's opinion of Diego Maradona acts as this fantastic barometer for me of people that I want to watch football with. So if you love him 
and you can appreciate everything that he is and, and the stories around him, then you're probably someone that will have the same outlook on the game as me. If you hate him, we certainly don't. So, so what you're just, saying is you, you don't want to watch football with Peter Shilton? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, he fucking comes up a lot later on. I, mean, yeah. I watched the, um, the, the full game in 86 the other day and I made quite a lot of notes on Peter Shilton. So... Yeah, uh, it's. I definitely don't want to watch a game of Peter Shaw. Um It's just the yeah, it's the ultimate narrative footballer, isn't he? Like mm. I, I wouldn't consider myself like a numbers guy or a tactics guy really, unless I'm playing football manager. Um, and I, I don't really care whether someone like Gareth Southgate decides to play a deep mm. midfield double pivot during next mid, next summer's Euros. Like I don't care. But the same, it's, it's like it's probably the same reason I don't much care for Pep Guardiola, to be honest. Like. But if you want to sit down with me, like like we are now, and talk for hours about art, flair, genius, drugs, the Camorra, illegitimate sons, gold managerial thrones on Argentinian touchlines, like I'll be here all day. <laughs> so this podcast could last for four hours and I'd be totally happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the embodiment of everything I enjoy about football. And I'd, I'd, I'd really like to hear what you've got to say about him as well. I think... Um... I was always aware of Maradona, obviously, and you, you know you hear the stories every time a World Cup comes around. They play clips from previous World Cups and everything, and you know from a very young age, you know you, you hear the name and you you watch clips. Um, you know I was born in 1988. My earliest memories of major tournaments um, was probably Euro '96. Um, so you know I didn't I didn't really, you know, similar to you, I, I never watched Maradona kick a ball live so to speak um but i feel that as i got older and i sort of consumed more you know highlight clips on the tv pre-youtube and everything um you know you, you read magazines you read articles you read um 442 doing all you know the best 100 players of all time lists or whatever and you hear this name and you hear about what he's done and you watch all the clips and everything i think um there's a lot of younger people that don't appreciate the the genius of Maradona. You know, in the age of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, Maradona did things before both of them that neither of them can do. Um, and I think that I look at what other people said about him, teammates and things like that. I look at the fact that some people can never get over that handball, and whereas other people look at what he was capable of how good he was as a dribbler the creativity the passing the just passion for the game you know this was a guy who said you know if i was wearing a white wedding dress and someone kicked a dirty football at me you you, you know you bet i'm going to be chesting it down um <laughs> what an image if you haven't seen asif kapadia's documentary um definitely go and watch it i think it gives you a better a better appreciation of a where he came from, B what he went through, and um, and just how bloody good he was. Um, and I got a really good quote from Lobo Carrasco, who was one of Maradona's teammates at Barcelona, who sums it up better than better than I ever could. Um, he said he had a complete mastery of the ball. When Maradona ran with the ball or dribbled through the defence, he seemed to have the ball tied to his boots. I remember our early training sessions with him. The rest of the team was so ama so amazed that they just stood and watched him. We all thought ourselves privileged to be witnesses of his genius. I mean, people, people, you know, use those sort of terms. You know, 
I know I've seen Kevin Prince Boateng recently <laughs> say that about Lionel Messi. You know, yeah. saying you know he was doing things that I didn't even know was possible. Um, the, these are once in a generation players, and and equally when you look at at Maradona, you know the the age in which he he came through or whatever. That there's nothing nothing like him. A player like if a if a kid came through now with similar sort of characteristics, you know, the Manchester City Academy would go, no, you're too short or whatever, and just release him. Mm. You know, it, it just it just wouldn't happen now. Um, it's difficult to like some of the some of the things that some of the attributes that Diego Maradona has are also very unquantifiable, and I think that's mm. uh, t- today's today's game. Sort of not to get all modern football forty year old dad on everyone, but <laughs> it's very statistics based, isn't yeah. it? And it's yeah. it's how many goals did you get? How many assists did you get? Doesn't really take into account the carrying of of ten players on your back to a World Cup trophy, which. Mm-hmm. As yet, neither Lionel Messi nor Cristiano Ronaldo have done. Messi came very close in 2014, but couldn't get over the line. So, not to besmirch either of those two, this is just the the kind of trying to build context around the kind of player that Diego Maradona was. And when we get to the '86 World Cup, we'll kind of see that there was a time where he essentially dragged a team of I wouldn't. I don't want to call them average, but this the the '86 Argentina team. He drags them tooth and nail mm. to this World Cup final and gets them over the line against very tricky opponents in West Germany. So, yeah, that the the, the statistics around today they don't they, they don't take into account the unquantifiable um, measures of actually being able to you know just drag an entire team that far in a World Cup tournament. So that's the kind of player that he was, and yeah, yeah. I think um, the the final sort of quote that I saw that was used a lot, certainly in the documentary, certainly in a lot of written pieces, you know, even prior to his his passing, you know, a lot of people say about how he was loved and hated in equal measure. Um, there's this sort of two sides, you know. They, it's one of I think it's his personal trainer when he was in Italy. He said, um, uh, "I would um, I would walk to the ends of the earth for for Diego, but I wouldn't take a step for Maradona." Mm. And it's a it, he is a person of two sides. There's yeah. the on the pitch, then there's the off the pitch. He is loved as Diego, hated as Maradona mm-hmm. by by some, and you know that's kind of what you equally what you kind of love about him. You, you love that there's two sides to him. That there's you know the the creative, sneaky sort of um, street footballer, and then there's the you know the family man and the you know team player and all this sort of stuff so before we start with the 1982 world cup in spain i wanted to touch briefly on 1978 because yeah let's face it maradona could have featured in five world cups yeah this is where the story starts really doesn't it his world cup story starts in a in a campaign that he doesn't he doesn't take to the field in yeah absolutely so in 1978, he, I mean, and this is something that actually did frustrate him. Um, you know, he, he he played in the qualifiers. He wasn't selected for the final, um, you know, for the the main squad for the tournament. And, and this was like a, a bit of a bone of contention for, for Maradona throughout his career. Because 1978 is a home World Cup for Argentina. Yeah. And there's a clip in the documentary, actually, where just after, literally, he's on the pitch. Journalist has run on. 
Napoli have just won Serie A for the first time in their history and um, he's asked you know what, what does this mean to you what does it, what does this mean to you and, and he said oh this is better than winning the World Cup he said <laughs> because I wasn't allowed to go and um, be part of the World Cup in my home country they wouldn't let me but this you know here where I've made Naples my home and everything this means more to me mm. um, you know you sit there going at, the, at this point the guy's a world champion he's just won the league you know you know somewhat semi you know uh, single-handedly as well um for napoli for the first time in their existence and he's sitting there going now nah, fuck the world cup this is better <laughs> yeah it was it was um a touch of sour grapes but also it, i think it fueled him going forward as well because he's mm-hmm. yeah like you say he made 11 11 i think he, he made some appearances in the qualifiers he made just 11 league appearances before being handed his national team debut and then he's just left out of the squad by by Cesar Luis Menotti after being decided that he was just a bit too young to handle the pressure and I think it must have been really difficult for him being told that he can't appear at a World Cup in his back garden mm. um, essentially and especially especially seeing as the Argentinians they go on they go on to win it as well that must really stick in the back it like stick in the craw yeah. not being allowed to play in that in that tournament as you see all of your sort of your compatriots go on to win the thing if only England had done the same with Theo Walcott, eh? <laughs> Just say, stay at home, Theo. We'll bring you along next time. Yeah, take um, an extra striker. Yeah. <laughs> you can go back and listen to our Sven's England episode for for more of Liam's thoughts on that. Um, so, 1982 comes around. Um, 1982 is, um, it's, you know, it's a, a period of change for the World Cup itself. There's an increase to 24 teams from 16 which was a key election pledge of um, the FIFA president, Jean Avalanche. Um, you know, he you know, that was one of the big things for him. He, he wanted to expand the World Cup. He wanted more teams in it. He wanted it to, you know, to progress and, and become, a, you know, he, he sort of, um, despite being, you know, <laughs> dodgy as all hell, um, I think I read somewhere that he he'd accepted something in the region of forty one million dollars worth of bribes over his time as as FIFA president. <laughs> that so, is a, um, that is a sack full of cash. That is yeah. that's an impressive figure to be taking bungs that size. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so he yeah he sort of um, despite that sort of set the the roadmap I suppose for the, the World Cup that we sort of come to understand it now. It was you know previously it was this closed shop and you know like invitational or whatever. Uh, or, or very few places available and, and he really sort of kick-started the expansion so 1982 you've got more teams in it Argentina have come into it as reigning champions and Diego Maradona is um, basically given his World Cup debut um, looking at the team it's kind of a strange Argentina team because you've got these kind of like older players at the tail end of their careers and then the bright young hope of Maradona to try and knit it all together. Yeah, they keep the they keep the the sort of spine of the squad that won the previous World Cup in sort of they they stick together and for the for the eighty two finals and yeah it's a, it's a not an aging but it's a more experienced squad with yeah with just these sort of this, this uh, little bright spark yeah of of Diego playing playing the number ten role in the center of the park. Yeah, I mean that's you know they've given him the number ten shirt. He's p- playing in that position. I mean, when they talk about 
in you know these days about you know classic number 10s or this is what a number 10 does i mean you know when we talk about blueprints for positions you know maradona helped to define what a number 10 should could do how that could be used tactically all of this sort of stuff um so the world cup finals come along they are drawn in a group with belgium uh hungary and el salvador um another interesting thing that i noticed that coming into this that you know they weren't they weren't given a lot of um you know a great something that i actually noticed running through all of the sort of argentine press and home fans reaction is that they were never given like a great deal of chance it was like 82 it was like oh well you're the players who are a bit older and yeah maradona's good but yeah we're not expecting too much it's all these tempered sort of expectations and everything but um it doesn't get off to the greatest of starts to them to be furnished you know reigning world champions start the group off with a one nil loss to belgium yeah there's a there's a lot of there's a huge spotlight on the argentinian team going into this first game isn't there and like you say that the argentinian press are really quite down on the squad um they they don't give them too much hope, which as holders is a, just a little bit strange. And going, I think going going into this this finals, this is where Diego Maradona basically gets to kind of shine in his in his new home because the the move mm. to Barcelona comes is, is is in the works and it comes shortly after this tournament. And then this this opening game is yeah it's a it's a one nil loss to to Belgium. Actually, the the first thing I've got in my notes, which really pissed me off, is all, like the the goalkeeper Ubaldo Filio in the Argentine goal. He's wearing number seven, which <laughs> was like it just really. It was one thing I was like, right, I got to note that down because that's a real yeah. like annoyance for me. It's because they I think they 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 obviously did the squad numbers in alphabetical order. So you've got the keeper oh, wearing number God. seven here, um, and yeah, this this opening game was the, Maradona was relatively quiet. He has a, a left-footed free kick, which he strikes with some power that manages to sort of crashes off the underside of the bar and out. Mm. And that's kind of his main chance there. Um, and it's it was really quite quiet from the Argentinians. And it's it's actually the Belgians that, that look a lot brighter. Um, and they come quite close to opening the scoring two or three times before they eventually do. Yeah, it's, it's a weird game. It's almost like they... S- were sleepwalking into this game and and it took it took a 1-0 loss to sit there and and you know I don't know the manager or the captain or even Maradona to sit there and go guys we actually need to start playing now this isn't friendlies this isn't qualification we actually need to you know put literally pull our socks up and and, and do some work yeah the then the, the first half was there were, I only really noted down one chance in the first half and it's I might end up butchering this name but it's Alexandra Cherniatinsky Cherniatinsky um, who sort of just he's, comes the closest to opening the scoring for the Belgians in the first half with kind of heads it wide. And then you just start to see these kind of um, openings for the Belgians to uh, eventually, when when they finally open the scoring, it's Erwin Vandenberg, who, who mm. he just has all the time in the world to kind of chest down this cross inside the Argentinian box, steady himself and and volley past Filial for the opener. Like it's it's a very subdued performance from Argentina and a really subdued performance from Maradona every time he gets on the ball he's kind of surrounded he's harried he's hustled until the Belgians win possession back he's not afforded any time or space to run with the ball um they do a really good job of essentially just marking him out of the game which is a blueprint of how it goes for the rest of the tournament really I think the Belgians did it first and they did it well so the the next game in the group versus Hungary you know you're kind of thinking that at this point 
it's dead set on um, an Argentina loss again because in their opening group game, Hungary actually beat El Salvador ten one. So is that yeah? <laughs> you'll get. Yeah, I know mean, it sounds disparaging to say only El Salvador, but still, it's a ten one win, and you're you're coming off the back of a one nil loss to Belgium, um, and Hungary are probably licking their lips here, going, "Cool, we can have another one." Um, but fortunately for Argentina, probably a scoreline that nobody expected. It's a 4-1 win with Maradona scoring twice. Um, yeah, so the Hungarians don't do as well of keeping Maradona quiet in this game at mm. all. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's Dan- Daniel Bertoni opens the scoring on 26 minutes. Maradona gets goals on 28 and 57 minutes and Ozzy Diaz finishes off Argentina's goal on the hour mark. Um, just to sort of focus a bit on on, on Maradona's goals in, in particular. So the first goal, you know, it's, it's Bertoni has a shot. The goalkeeper parries it and it's kind of like up in the air, but the goalkeeper's like way off of his line and, and Maradona's able to run in and pounce and get a, a head on it and sort of bundle it in. It's not it's not the most um, beautiful goal, but it's incredibly instinctive. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it begins with a Hungarian throw inside their own half, so there's no real danger on. And then the ball is kind of it, it's kind of lost and then won and then lost and then won from the Hungarians. They kind of it, it, they 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 lose it. They win it back. They lose it again. And then Bertoni is kind of played through on the left hand side at the eighteen yard box by I think it's Ozzy Ardiles. Bertoni smashes this shot towards goal, which is kind of briefly saved by by the Hungarian keeper Mezeros Mezeros I think. Um, and then yeah, it kind of ricochets back and it's Maradon is the first one to kind of pounce in and he kind of makes this kind of diving header just off the ground and make sure that it that it that it does go in in the end because there's a, there's a defender on his back and yeah instinctive play is the perfect way to describe it he's um is the first to react to to the danger of of the shot not being completely saved hmm. yeah i think yeah the the goalkeeper's just sort of parried it and it's gone up in the air and and it just leaves leaves this opportunity on a plate for maradona to to pounce on it the um the second goal is um, arguably more Maradona, shall we say? Um, so he's he's facing the left hand side of the goal, and he hits the ball like outside of the left boot. It, it sort of like curves inwards, and then sort of nestles in the, the the near post. But it's hit with such pace, it's just like snapped at. The, the goalkeeper is stood there, and he first notices that it's a goal when he turns around and sees the ball in the net. It's, it's so quick and so powerful. Yeah, this is more, sort of more of a trademark Maradona finish, isn't it? Um, mm. The kind of, he plays this nice, nice one-two with Kempesh in the centre of the park, and then rushes towards the goal, and just rifles this absolute bullet, <laughs> low and hard, and the goalkeeper doesn't, the, the keeper doesn't really have any chance, and at that point, that I think is... Um, Argentina are 3-0 up there and that's kind of the game won already within within the hour mark so and it doesn't take long for, for Argentina to go 4-0 up sort of three minutes three or four minutes later so yeah this from from what looked like Argentina were kind of staring down the barrel already set two games into the group um, of elimination because they lost their first game and this is essentially mm. kind of if they lose against Hungary they're going home and now yeah, they're 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 sort of four 0 up within six within an hour and sort of cruising towards their first their first win of the group. Yeah, I certainly feel from watching the extended highlights and everything that um, Maradona's like living up to the hype that's surrounding him at the time because yeah. 
he makes absolute mincemeat of Hungary. Like, his pressing, his energy. Like, he has attempts before he scores. Like, the goalkeeper is having to be really quite on it. And he he could have had five or six in this game alone. It's just, you know, the um, reactions and, and, you know, alertness of the Hungarian keeper that, that has kept some of these things out. Yeah, this is where you start to see him kind of live up to the expectations that were were kind of set for him before the mm. the, the the tournament started. The first game he's very quiet and subdued, and then this game he's kind of got a bit more freedom. Whether it's down to the Hungarians not pressuring him enough or pressing him, but mm. Maradona he just a basic he appears everywhere in the final third like a zippy yeah. little water bug. He's just hassling defenders, pressuring the keeper into making mistakes. He's just a defender's nightmare in this game. And something that I noticed as well is that he he really doesn't go to ground easily at all. I'm starting to see in mm. this game that he's got this kind of instred- incredibly strong core and he's able to ride tackles and manoeuvre opponents off the ball who have like a good foot and a half on him. So he's showing yeah. this kind of strength in his thighs and, and core area where he's just not, he, he's not easily bullied off the ball. You can get him off the ball, but it's going to take a hell of a lot. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And there's this there's this really good compilation online titled Diego Maradona destroying Hungary World Cup 1982, and I've it's, seen that, yeah. it's set to some fucking awful Euro trance that kind of sews together every touch of the ball he has in the game, mm. and you just start to get this picture that he's he's just a pain in the ass to play against. Like some of the yeah. Hungarians double up on him as he shapes across the ball, but you know Diego kind of takes this takes these little touches to lure them in and then fires the ball off their shins for a corner as if that was kind of the plan all along he like lures players in and then will just yeah smash the ball off their off their, their shins or thigh to get a corner and sort of he's got such whip on the ball that he's able to he's a danger from set pieces as well so he just looks like a nightmare to play against exactly yeah and i think in this game in particular he he comes across like a complete footballer you know they you look at some people and they go oh they're a good um, they're really good at pressing or they're really good at tackling or they're really good at passing or you know they always talk about Olivier Giroud as being the kind of player that holds up the ball or whatever Maradona does all of that in yeah. this game mm-hmm. the he's pressing strong, he's quick. holding up yeah. the ball beating markers crossing different types of passing through balls little one twos all of that sort of stuff he's got like the best attribute of every single number 10 and every single number 9 you could ever ask for he's fucking lethal <laughs> Yeah, he's he's so good in this game. This was this was the first this is the the second game that I've watched of his during this sort of doing this research for this project and I was extreme after the first game where he was a bit quiet, this game I was extremely impressed and you start mm. to get the picture of of why he's so revered as the kind of footballer that he was. Yeah, and the next group game um were against El Salvador. Um at this point you're kind of thinking that it's only going to go one way. Um, I would still say it's it's a, a must win for, for for Argentina. One of the things that El Salvador do quite well in this is they've obviously watched what happened versus Hungary, and they've gone right. The way to stop Argentina is to stop Maradona. So there's there's not um, El Salvador play very defensively. Their whole tactic is to do what they can to stop any opposition player from getting into their box. It's just hold them off, minimise damage as possible. Um, and I, I noted down just... I just kept on seeing these really heavy, vicious tackles coming in from El Salvador. It's lots of tough tackles. Not just targeting Maradona. They obviously do target him, but anyone in a blue and white shirt, they just go, right, 
you're going to ground right or the ball's gone to you right well let's get bring you to ground and get the ball off you as well it's it's pretty rough yeah this is um a very <laughs> this is very much a game where like one team is trying tooth and nail to to basically just stem the flow after previously getting hammered and because they've mm. they've lost 10-1 in their opening game El Salvador they they lose 2-0 in their second game and now the the final game is like look we're up against Maradona and Argentina here. let's let's do what we can to just get through the game with as with as few goals conceded as possible and I mean, the first note I made is who on earth sanctioned the kit clash in this film because in this game because it was an absolute nightmare to work out who was who on all these scratchy mm-hmm. 1980s highlights so it was a really difficult game to work out. You can kind of notice you notice Maradona. He's quite quiet in this game, all, all things yeah. considered. Um, but within within 25 minutes, Argentina are, are 1-0 up with a Danny Passarella penalty. And after that, it's the game is pretty much up after only 20, 22 minutes, I think, mm-hmm. he scores. But it's, it's just a game where El Salvador, El Salvador are just very, very robustly trying to make sure that they're not conceded. That they're, they're very rugged. And they're structured and they're just trying to make sure that no Argentinians get into their box. Um, mm. There's no real attacking from El Salvador. It's just a fairly routine 2-0 win with not that much attacking flair. Yeah, Maradona's been restricted in this game. He's only able to show sort of glimpses of what he can do. There's a, a free kick that he has that's quite good. It sort of goes over the wall and into the side netting, which is kind of the closest that he gets to scoring. Um but, I mean, if you are watching the, the, the highlights, the easiest way to work out um, who's who is um, if they've got the ball, it's Argentina. If they're <laughs> running in two-footed trying to break a leg, it's an El Salvador player because yeah. that's basically how you can describe this game. Yeah, no, that's the that's the perfect sum-up of, <laughs> of the game that we had to watch. So they finished second in the group um, and go on to the, the second round. Uh, Belgium finished top of the group. Um, and they come up against Italy... Um, and again this is another one of those ones where they've seen that Maradona's the threat so it's well what can we do to um, you know nullify the threat of Maradona so this is this is you know to to set the scene as well this is back where you had two group stages so the second group stage um, with Italy and Brazil Um, so if they lose this game um you know there there is still another uh, another game to play um yeah but with the with the second group phase though like i feel like there's no room for error at all here because you lose a game you're essentially out because there's no this is still two points for a win Mm. so you're not uh, argentina lose the first game to italy 2-1 that's it that's them essentially out because now all italy need to do is 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 draw with brazil in the second game to go through it's exactly the, yeah. the second group phase in a world cup finals sort of when it was back in the nine back in 82 there's there's no room for error whatsoever hmm. you can understand why they got rid of it because like you say if you lose the yeah. first game you have to win the second and hope that results go your way and it's just an awful position yeah. to be in and it's just yeah. a crap way of doing it um as you say they do lose 2-1 to italy it's um uh Tardelli and Cabrini make it 2-0 to Italy and Passarella um, gets one back on 83 minutes. Yeah. The the actual the thing that's worth watching if you watch the highlights is Claudio Gentile. Um, oh, yeah, he's, basi- he's basically been told man mark Maradona where he goes you go and hurt him, break him. Um, 
And yeah. there's a, a, a really good quote from Gentile where he says, I studied him for two days, watching videos and realizing there was a strategy I could use against him. That was to make sure that he was so well marked that he couldn't get the ball from his teammates because once he has position, once he has possession, that's when he becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. So basically, for 90 minutes, Gentile is pushing him to the ground, um, and he's a big guy. Gentile is huge. He's like a fucking wardrobe. Um, he just <laughs> like it's um, right. Well, I'm just going to give you little kicks here when the referee's not looking. I'm just going to make sure that you don't get the ball. I'm going to intercept. Um, it, it, and and you know maradona actually gets a yellow card for protesting too much to the referee after like an yet another challenge on on him goes unpunished um it's very ironic that he's the one that gets the card because yeah he's yeah maradona's completely marked out of the game here mostly by claudio gentile so he gets extremely rough treatment throughout the whole game. Oh, yeah. And it's the story of this game really isn't Maradona. It, it turns out to be that it's Gentile, basically the first anti-hero <laughs> because he <laughs> he is, is, it nullifies Maradona's impact throughout the whole 90 minutes. It doesn't give him any opportunity to produce any of the kind of signature flair or or like artistry that we, we come to know from him in four years' time. He is essentially just denied any right to play the game of football isn't like Maradona's game here is just very stunted um and Italy weird enough like they they got through their group with three draws and their approach seemed to be like completely based on stopping the opponents from doing anything like from attacking rather than scoring goals themselves and that seems to be what they did here it was just like look if we can stop Maradona scoring chances are if we net one we're through so Gentile has this kind of doggedness about his approach the whole game to just removing Maradona's influence completely um and if you search Claudio Gentile the chances are it'll come up with hardest man in the FIFA World Cup history like he's just got this reputation from this 90 minutes alone he committed 23 fouls on Maradona during this game how the fuck do you commit 23 fouls in a game and not get a red card it's insane like yeah what how I don't understand like nowadays you get maybe you get two maybe three before a card gets pulled out but I guess in 82, like, that approach to refereeing wasn't a thing. And Gentile just played, like, he basically pushed the rules it, to the complete yeah. limit there. He played the referee fouls. as well. <laughs> he, he, he played the referee 100%, 100% because, you yeah. know, he, he's doing things when the referee's not looking or when the, the play is somewhere else. It's just the interesting thing from watching, like, extended highlights as well is you can see as the game wears on that the morale of Argentina is just essentially destroyed. Yeah. They can't get Maradona in the game. They can't really do a lot. And it's sort of like the game plan is gone. Um, they Even, have no backup. Yeah. Even their consolation. So the, Italy are 2-0 up going into the final 10 minutes and Passarella scores this absolute rocket of a free kick. And there's no kind of urgency about it because mm. I don't think they believe they can get the second. Yeah. It's the their, their consolation goal comes from a free kick. It comes from a a a moment in play where the Italians can't really defend what's happening because it's it's a set, it's a set play. They yeah. can't do it. The, the most they can do is put a wall in front of it, and it sort of is it's a nice free kick that goes straight through the goalkeeper basically. Um, mm. And there's no yeah, there's no urgency to kind of get the ball out. Look, we've got seven minutes left to salvage this. It's just a, oh, okay. Well, we got one. It's yeah, a very it's kind of shrugged shoulders. It. Like yeah, mm. exactly. It's a really it, it was a really strange last ten minutes of the game. So the next. Um group you know second group stage game is against brazil um i've put in my notes this is like 
DC versus Marvel, Alien versus Predator. <laughs> like it's the heavyweights of South American football going head to head. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what you want at a World Cup. You want, you know, a big South American derby. Um, it's the holders. It's the holders versus the 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 eighty two team of Brazil, which are like mm. the the heralded kind of losers of of football. They're like this amazing team that never managed to win the big one. Um, and so this is yeah this is exactly what you what you say Marvel versus DC this is two two factions of superheroes meeting yeah. on the biggest stage of them all yeah and and you know we'll say from the start it is a three one loss um, for Argentina um, it's a weird game as well because you've got um, it's basically Maradona versus Zico it's you know two unreal number 10s the game's played at the Soraya Stadium in Barcelona the the old Espanol ground Mm -hmm. Um, and Brazil are just a cut above I think Um, just it's a weird one because I think the game's quite it's quite balanced at times you know it's sort of you know periods of dominance for Argentina periods of dominance for Brazil but Brazil just have enough um, 3-1 at times it looks like oh they got battered then I don't think it was quite as one-sided as that when, when you watch what actually happens there is there is good work being done by Argentina but Brazil are just that bit better um, the first half only finishes 1-0 so it's still quite a tight game it, it, Zico is the, the one to take first blood um, it's this incredible um, free kick by Adair it's like 35 yards out hits this ball as hard as he can no like swerve on it it just goes in a straight line hits the 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 crossbar zico's there to to pounce and tap it in and 11 minutes in it's one nil to to brazil but you know it's not like argentina's heads drop and you know um, brazil you know get go into the half time at three nil up it's you know it's only it's only one nil at half time um and in the second half, you know, they, they score um, two more. Uh, Serginho on 66 and uh, Junior, the, the left back on 75. And at that point, towards the end of the game, you know, Brazil are, are very much in the ascendancy and you, you can sort of feel the um, the energy sort of sap away from, from Argentina. But the the big moment, you know, certainly from our perspective and for the purposes of this show, is, is Maradona gets a straight red card for a pretty horrendous challenge. Yeah, so the, the after the 3-0 down and the heads start mm. to drop really, don't they? And you start to see that Maradona's obviously extremely frustrated and the red card comes from this really quite uh, innocuous, quite violent, quite petulant stamp into the crotch of of Batista of Brazil. And it's two two players sort of going for this kind of 50-50 ball about waist height Batista gets there first and Maradona just follows through with his studs right into the right into the thigh of Batista and yeah it is just a straight red card I think he knew what he was doing it was more it was it was definitely just born out of frustration more than anything else that that the game and the previous game against Italy just hadn't gone his way yeah there's a really good quote from the commentator John Helm um who's, who's obviously covering the game for the BBC um I think it's the BBC or it's ITV. But he says, um, uh, uh, what does he say? Oh, do, 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 do. Um, 
Yeah, Maradona managed to put a little kick in on Batista and he's off. That is the end of Diego Maradona's World Cup. Well, this is sensational. The world's greatest player by repute has been sent off. He lashed out at Batista there after the original offence by the Brazilian substitute. Diego Maradona looked almost in tears there. He's being roundly booed here in Barcelona. What a tragic end to Maradona's World Cup. He's about to come and play in Barcelona and, and this must be the most tragic moment of his career so far. Yeah, it's it's. I think that kind of the quote there, where it says the greatest player in the world by repute, is that what you said? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that kind of sums it up because at the moment, this this first World Cup for Maradona, nineteen eighty two, is um. Well, I mean, anything pre nine. His World Cup history before nineteen eighty six, I suppose, it's very yeah. anticlimactic, isn't it? I think. Yeah. He had a decent impact in the opening group phase, but you've got this dichotomy with how how well he impacted the games in in the in the first group phase and just what he wasn't able to do in the second group phase like against Italy and Brazil he just wasn't allowed the time and the space to do anything and it just showed that if you if you put enough men on Maradona or if you put one man in, in Claudio Gentile's uh, case mm-hmm. on him and you just kind of suffocate him he can't have the impact and the influence on a game that that he should do um mm. and it's just i think there was a lot of things that were, that went into the poor performances for himself and Argentina at that World Cup. Like there was, um, before the game against Brazil, Pelé had a column in an Argentine newspaper in which he said, quote, my main doubt is whether he has the sufficient greatness as a person to justify being honoured by a worldwide audience. So Pelé's talking shit in the press beforehand. Bastard. (laughs) You've got this, this game against Brazil, as you said, takes place in, in the Soraya Stadium in Barcelona. So this is just after, I think, Maradona's completed his three million pound transfer to Barca to Barcelona. So you've got a whole city looking to see what what them their their biggest club has just bought. Mm. Um and it's it's a listless performance really, isn't it, from from Argentina in this game. They don't yeah, it, yeah it's it's a frustrating one. And yeah, there's a thousand different things that all kind of roll into into the poor performances that, that end up with them crashing out in the second group phase. So it's a shame, but um I mean, it's a bit of a different story four years later, isn't it? (laughs) Well, let's fast forward four years. So, the year is 1986, the World Cup is in Mexico. Since we last saw Diego, he's had his ankle smashed to bits at Barcelona, was involved in a mass brawl with Athletic Bilbao players at the 1984 Copa del Rey final, quit Spain and moved to Italy for uh, to join Napoli. Um, as we've, well, as you've mentioned before as well, this is a tournament that Diego pretty much won single-handedly, a feat that's essentially never been repeated and may never happen again. He is named Argentina captain, and out of Argentina's total of 14 goals, Maradona contributes five goals and five assists, which um, I think he wins him best player at the tournament as well. Yeah, there's a there's a I've got a run for the very end of this sort of 1986 bit. We've got I've got a rundown of everything that Maradona ah, contributed awesome. into each game. And it's it's an outstanding like the, the things that he managed to do during this tournament is just like otherworldly. Mm. Um and this this tournament is night and day compared to what we've just seen in 1982. To, compared mm-hmm. to compared to the games that we watched 
for his first sort of his World Cup debut to to what he becomes four years later in 86. Yeah, it's completely different. He's clearly leaving Barcelona where he's just had... I wouldn't not not the worst time, but he's not been appreciated. He's like you mm. say, he had his ankles completely smashed to bits in a game against Bilbao. He's had hepatitis. He's been involved in mass brawls, yeah. and it's it was a turbulent stay to say the least. Um, so he moves to Naples and is just immediately. If you watch the start of the Acid Capadia film, like he's just immediately loved and adored by every single person in that city, and he. Over over the next sort of what two years it is between when he moves to Naples and and goes to yeah. this World Cup in Mexico, he just basically learns being in a new league that he's able to he hones his skills and learns to moderate his temperament. I think is the yeah. most important thing because he's going week in week out up against these very rugged defenses in Italy, very miserly defenses that don't give yeah. away too much. Um, he obviously had a tough time against Gentile in 1982, but then he's playing in the same league as him and sort of learns a bit, I think. Mm. I think, like you say, it's the, the temperament and yeah. his mentality and his attitude and um, his his willingness to react and choosing the moment and everything. He, he just matures yeah. in general. He grows up, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the story kind of starts a little bit in 1983 because at 22 years old he he's asked to captain his, his nation at the World Cup by the new national team manager who basically decides to build the team around around yeah. this talisman mm-hmm. um, and you know he's, and he's 25 when the tournament comes around so he's been national team captain for for you know what two three years or something. Yeah, so Carlos Bilardo is the the guy in charge now, and he has yes, Maradona has a great relationship with Bilardo. Um, he calls him El Nadigon, which is big nose, affectionately. And um, I just like the way that I think Bilardo went to visit him in Barcelona during the, when he had hepatitis, and mm. just kind of explained that look, I'm going to make you the captain. I'm going to build the entire side around you, and I think it's it's about the, the same way that he learned to be so successful in in Naples. Is just I think it's when he's felt when he feels loved and when he feels yeah. welcome and wanted is when he ha- does his best work. And in 1986, this is kind of the culmination of of being loved in club football and international football at the yeah. same time. He's definitely a um, arm around the shoulder kind of player. You know, <laughs> yeah, people, definitely. People look at the performances that Harry Redknapp was able to get out of certain players at Portsmouth and Tottenham <laughs> and everything. <laughs> It, it, it's How on able... earth have you managed to, to shoehorn that in? <laughs> uh, I have no shame. <laughs> um, yeah. But there are certain players that need an arm around the shoulder and they need to be told, no, no, you are really good. You are really good. You are you are loved. You are wanted here or whatever. Just, just you know, go and have fun. Go and do what, what you're good at. Um, and, you know, th- then they, th- those players get signed by, I don't know, Real Madrid or whatever and everyone goes... But they were so good at Tottenham or they were so good at Portsmouth or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you don't understand how to manage these players. And Ballardi definitely has that understanding of, right, I know how I know the way to, to deal with Maradona to get the best out of him. Yeah, it's um, kind of the father he's... figure thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the Argentinian red nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, the qualification campaign and the pre-tournament friendlies um, really don't do a lot to help the Argentinian people and the press get behind this team because the qualification campaign is really unconvincing. The pre-tournament friendlies are, you know, really, you know, lackluster performances. 
and there's an awful lot of doubt around this this side and I, I, there was actually i read something from maradona where he said oh they didn't even think they would get out the group mm-hmm. and i think what also didn't help with just the the temperament around the camp is that daniel passarella he's um, obviously called up to the squad very experienced very good quality defender um, and and he walked out the squad before their first group game um, the rumor is that he wasn't happy about losing the captaincy to maradona he just saw this 25 year old that everyone said was really good and he was like well i've been argentina captain for years you're giving it to him just to you know polish his ego i don't agree with that and yeah. Sodja, i'm walking out then yeah, well, he's obviously it was the World Cup winning captain as well, and to, mm. the, sometimes the changing of the guard doesn't quite work as smoothly as you'd want. And clearly, he thought he was still the the rightful captain of the squad. And so when it gets taken away from him, he's unable to deal with that. And yeah, doesn't doesn't play all in eighty six, which I think causes a huge kind of disruption. But mm. so, so it all works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. So the group stage is um, they they're drawn with South Korea, their old friends Italy and Bulgaria. So they they kick things off with a 3-1 win against South Korea. So kicking things off much, much better than they did last time. Um, It's Jorge Valdano with with two goals. He gets one really early on on six minutes and um, one uh, on 46 minutes. And um, Oscar Ruggeri um, gets another goal on 18 minutes. Um, Maradona actually assists all three of them. Yeah. It's a strong start. He's involved in everything. (laughs) I've got on my notes that the second goal is particularly good, the the, the Ruggeri goal. So it's a Maradona free kick. And he has this um, ability, this sort of like Beckham-esque ability of just getting the ball right in that sweet spot where someone needs it. And he's able to get float the ball in just at that point in front of the keeper so that Ruggeri can just jump up, get ahead on it, make it 2-0. Um, the precision is, 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 you know, really impressive there. Yeah, he's deadly from set pieces. And the set, the second Valdano goal was nice as well because that starts yeah. from kind of... Uh, Valdano basically knocks it in from close range after this mm. nice, like, creative and mazy run from and cross from Maradona on the right-hand side. Um, so, yeah, he, he assists all three. He's obviously involved in everything at, at creative that the team does. But what I think one of the things that I noticed the most out of this game was that the challenges that come in on sort of his what five foot five five foot six Mm. frame from the south koreans they just get progressively higher and higher up his body yeah but he he doesn't rise to it i mean yeah this is only the opening game but he's not as tempestuous as he is in the in the previous tournament he's not haranguing the referee as much he just kind of he gets up he carries on Mm. and it i think that's down to sort of two years playing in syria dealing with that week in week out he's quite used to it now yeah that's the main thing i actually took away from this game as well was that you know their their tactic was obviously to just try and you know go oh look what what worked in 1982 okay well let's just kick him and try and kick him out the game but he just doesn't he doesn't react as much if at all some of the challenges doesn't react at all if one's particularly bad he calmly sort of just says to the referee are you going to do anything about that are you going to look into that are you going to see are you seeing what they're doing to me um but he is a very different maradona yeah next up is uh, a 1-1 draw with italy um very different Italy as well no claudio gentile there so he hasn't got a wardrobe following him around um <laughs> italy um, take the lead um, and certainly some Argentina fans are probably thinking oh here we go again um, it's, 
Altabelli gets a penalty on six minutes, and it's kind of a weird one. Um, I don't. It's more. So it's it's a it's a handball, but it's one of those weird ones where it's ball to hand rather than something intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really really soft, but you know, it's the eighties. Strange things happened. Um, so the, yeah, the defender takes the ball away from uh, an Italy attacker. He he flicks it up, but it it hits Oscar Gar on, on the hand, and the, and the Argentinians are just sort of like carrying on. And the referee blows this whistle and points to the spot, and everyone's a bit confused. Even the Italians are like. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll take that. Fine. You know, fair enough. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just a bit of an odd one. Um, Argentina have quite a few decent opportunities. You've got, I mean, he for me, he looks sharper. He looks fitter. He looks faster. Um, he's skipping past defenders rather than just being blindly tackled this time. Um, and and he gets uh, the the equalising goal on, on thirty four minutes. Yeah, so this the this kind of rematch from from eighty two is it's it's kind of again it's kind of night and day, isn't it? Because the mm. it's supposed to be the real test of of Maradona. Has he learned anything in the last four years? Has he adapted his game? Has he changed his game in any way? And having played against these kind of these, these Italian defenses over the last two years in Naples, then you know I think he he's he's got a bit more experience of of how to have how to deal with attempts to suffocate him and. After they go down, they go sort of they go one 0 down to that penalty, that outer belly mm-hmm. penalty, sort of in the opening ten minutes, and it, it's very quickly after that kind of Maradona basically rallies his troops, and this is where we start to see him kind of take it upon himself and just yeah. drag the Argentinian squad back into the game, and this, the half volley that he scores on thirty four is so like it's a goal <laughs> of such exquisite skill and ability, so like. He manages to he get hit the the ball comes into him and he he adapts his stride and connects with the ball so like softly and deftly with with enough power but also enough kind of precision to to put it past Galli and the Italian net. It's yeah, it's it's such an impressive finish and not one I, I don't think I mean I'd never seen that goal before. I don't think it gets talked about enough. It was no. Yeah, it, he kind of throughout this game. He's no one's kind of gets near him. He kind of drifts in and out mm. and out of central positions so that sort of centre backs don't really know whether to to go with him or hold their position. He's kind of all over the place again. This kind of water bug um, that zips around everywhere, and he he just yeah he pops up on the left hand side of the sixteen of uh, the six yard box and just slots it past the keeper to make it one one. And it's this is where we start to see him grab the whole team with a scruff of the neck. Mm. Like right, look, you're coming with me. Yeah, and and to be honest. Uh, Italy are quite unfortunate not to not to win this because Conti has a not Antonio the other one um, <laughs> he uh, has an attempt that hits the post so you know they they sort of get through it sort of quite luckily that you know they get the point they go on to the final group game versus Bulgaria which there isn't a great deal to talk about in this game. Um, I don't know if there was anything in particular that you wanted to to highlight, but mm, it's, no, it's a fairly it's a, it's a fairly straightforward two 0 win. Um, Valdano on four minutes, Burachaga on seventy seven. Um, actually, the Burachaga goal is good. Um, you've got Maradona running down the left, and he just does this another one of these sort of um, placing the ball in the exact right, you know, exact right place. So he he runs down the left. He does all the hard work. Uh, crosses into the box. Burachaga just sort of leaps on it and smacks a header in. Um, yeah, it's a nice whipped cross, isn't it, from mm. the 
from from Maradona there. Argentina finished top of the group this time, which uh, you know is a sign of how much they've improved from from last time. And they draw Uruguay in the round of sixteen. You know we're past second group stages now, people. We're, yeah, we're modern day, <laughs> uh, and it's actually a replay of the very first World Cup final. Yeah, it is. Yeah, which which we've spoken about before. So go back mm. and listen to the nineteen thirty episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a it's a tense game. It's quite scrappy. Um, mm-hmm. Argentina take the lead uh, just before half time on forty two minutes. It's uh, Pedro Pasquale. Uh, it's a quite a, a it's a well worked goal. Smart passing, moving the ball through a tight defence. Um, and then Pasquale just has to hit it home from eight yards. Um, that's kind of, you know, it's the only goal in the game. It's the, the main sort of, um, you know, bit of action, I suppose. But, but you know, focusing on, on Maradona, it's another one of those games where he's just like everywhere that you look. He's just constantly running, getting into space and being a nuisance. And the what I took away from it is that this game would have been three or four nil if the finishing from the strikers had been better. Yeah, he's, Maradona slowly starts to stamp his authority more and more on the game as it as it wears on. Um, and yeah, he's he is kind of everywhere. He is involved in every kind of in every bit of attacking creativity that the Argentinians put together. Maradona's there. That's that's what he does, and that's what he starts to. Yeah, it, the, the the longer the game goes on, the more involved he becomes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a good. You know, yes, there's only one goal, but if you if you just watch the highlights and watch what Maradona is doing you can see how he's able to get away from whoever's marking him with just this you know lightning quick turn and, and he's already you know he's turned and he's gone and um, you know people are trying to sort of catch up with him he, you know he has you know a couple of opportunities himself he has a free kick which hits the bar quite early on in the game he sets up an opportunity for Valdano who makes an awful mess of it and misses um I just think that if the strikers had been more attuned, basically yeah. on the same level as mm-hmm. Maradona, then this would have been a four-nil game. Yeah, um, but you know they they do what they have to 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 get through to the quarter-final game versus England. <laughs> yeah. So this is probably, I mean, this is the key. Well, is this the key game for you? I don't know. Is it? I think it is for me. But it is yourself? in this country. Yeah, it's not. It's not in terms of. I think that the. I actually think that the Belgium game is more impressive. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I watched this game on Friday night because it was played in mm. full on the BBC iPlayer. So I sat down at five o'clock on Friday just after I finished work and watched the full thing, the full 90 minutes. And they show the, they show the whole broadcast. And I've made notes throughout the game. Mm. My notes are extremely sort of scribbly, shorthand, kind of quite <laughs> anything that I noticed on the game. And the first thing I noticed, did you, I posted a picture on my social, did you, did you see the guy with the snake? There's a, yes. <laughs> so there's a there's a guy. I'm not sure whether he's Mexican, whether he's English, Argentinian, or what. But he's just waving around this like uh, I don't know, this really slim, <laughs> gangly snake in front yeah. of people in front of him. It's like how on earth did you get that in the stands? Um, you can't even get, take a pint into the stands no. these days. But this guy this could take a fucking a venomous snake. snake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this game, I've never watched it before, right? So I've seen the highlights. I've obviously seen the hand of God goal. I've seen the the exquisite finish that you know that the, the goal of the tournament that happens sort of four minutes later but i've never seen the story play out in full from start to finish and there's 
I I wasn't around in 86. I'm really glad that I wasn't around in 86 because it probably would have tainted my opinion. But watching it fresh with sort of brand new eyes, I do not understand how anyone in this country can have any qualms about the way that this game ended because the, the first 45 minutes were some of the most stunted, um, boring, dull kind of football from England I've, I've ever seen. They don't come, they barely come out of their first half, um, their own half. It looks very much like both sides are very scared of each other because I think you've got England with Gary Lineker up front who just scored mm. three against Paraguay in the round of 16. And then you've got the English who are obviously very scared of Maradona and what he can do. And it's two teams that are just a little bit jaded and like don't want to make the first slip up. I think nil-nil kind of flatters England a little bit. I think that, it's good, yes. for, good for them. Yeah, it's it's just an extremely, like, yeah, it's a very boring game for the first 45 minutes. And <laughs> yeah, and then we get to half-time, I guess, because nothing really happens in the first 45. Mm. I've got no, I've got next to no notes except from the, sh- <laughs> the shorts. Of, they leave nothing to the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> you can so, see he's packing what, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Gary Stevens, I mean, his wife must be <laughs> extremely happy with who she picked. So, yeah, um, that's what I've, I've got in my notes. I've got Gary Stevens has a massive penis. So <laughs> that's my only note that's, from the first That's half. the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's also important to set the historical scene with this game. So this is four years post the Falklands. Uh, obviously the English press um, who this week have disgraced themselves again but um, they played up on this whole Falklands thing and Maradona is quoted in the documentary actually he said that the hype around this game made it feel like it was another war Um, and you know the Argentinians are like whatever we just want to go and play football and to be honest so were the England team they were like whatever we're just, just playing a game of football whereas the press and all the hype and everything around it was like, oh, Falklands 2, this time it's yeah. on the pitch. And it was just fucking embarrassing from the English press. And you can, they, Like I say, they, they embarrassed themselves again this week and sobbed a lot of them, apart from Jonathan Wilson's beautiful you, piece in The Guardian. <laughs> there, I mean, there was a lot of... Um, it's. I think what's what's normally said is it's, no, it's never normally the sports desk, right? When these stories come True, out, yeah. whether it's Maradona, whether it's, I don't know, racist abuse on Raheem Sterling, like mm. sort of uh, dog, racist dog whistling for Raheem Sterling or Marcus Rashford, it's never really the sports desk, it's normally the news desk. So, like, But the British press never miss an opportunity to make idiots of themselves and sort of drum up this jingoistic media circus around something that it it doesn't necessarily need this is a sporting competition Mm. right the england argentina game in 1986 had nothing to do with the falklands conflict and yet i mean every england germany game has nothing to do with world war ii and yet like like trust trust the red tops to to sort of bring you know, some kind of world war or something like that into the into the forefront of the paper. Oh, so I was just going to say, yeah, it's all going to be pictures of Spitfires and you know, yeah, fucking, you know, pork pies and whatever. It's just ridiculous. So if you're gonna, if that is going to happen on the front of English tabloid press, when it blows up in their faces like this, then they're the only ones to blame, really. If they're gonna, uh, some of the, I imagine some of the the papers on on that morning, and definitely some from from this week anyway. You all you got to do is plaster it on the Argentinian dressing room wall, and it's like, well, there's your team talk. Yeah, the next time that um, the next time that England play Argentina, um, I imagine that um, this will all get brought up again. Um, yeah, without maybe, a doubt. And like you say, it'll all be plastered on the, the the dressing room wall as if to say, "Well, this is what they think of you." 
yeah the, the argentinians will use this as ammunition um if you mm. excuse the pun um <laughs> or unfortunate phrasing should i say yeah um well like the first the, the first the first half of this game goes by with very little incident the only there's there's been some clips during the rounds i don't know if you've seen it in the last few days of someone has sewn together all the the high tackles and the abuse that maradona mm. received is kind of the other side of this game because obviously yeah. most people will focus on what we'll get onto next which is the hand of god mm. but no one really focuses on the fact that he was assaulted and abused throughout the most of this 45 minutes and one of the things that I did notice is Terry Fennick the England centre-back sticks an elbow on Maradona in the first half on the edge of the 18-yard box sort of Maradona tries to to make a run to get on the end of a floated cross and Fennick essentially just flails an elbow back and cracks Maradona in the nose who then goes down and all I could hear was you've got Jimmy Hill on CoComs that day performing the role of this kind of partisan like Homer just telling the TV audience that Diego is a play actor and deserves an Oscar for his efforts. But the replay seconds later confirms that he's just been elbowed in the nose by Terry Fennick. And I think it's mm-hmm. Terry Fennick anyway, who just, yeah, he lashes his elbow back. And I don't understand. I, I was really amazed that Fennick actually finished the game, to be honest, because he, he, England deserved at least one, if not two reds for some of the tackles that went in on this game. Yeah. So let's get on to the hand of God. Um, it's a goal yes, that everyone let's. will have seen. It's it, it's it's a goal that everyone will be familiar with. But I wanted to start with a quote from Maradona himself. He said, I knew it was my hand. It wasn't my plan, but it all happened so fast that the linesman didn't see me put my hand up. I looked to the referee who said goal. It was a nice feeling, a sort of symbolic revenge against the English. Oh, so he's turned it on himself. <laughs> he's turned he's turned the war on it on on us now, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think this is why a lot of people certainly this week have said, "Oh, well, he never liked never liked the English or whatever." And it's you know, it's like if you well, I think it's almost like saying, "Well, if you're going to make it a war, then fine, let's play war." We'll bring you know? it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've all seen the goal. Maradona has the ball in midfield passes it out to Valdano, who chips it over the England defence. Maradona rises to meet it. Shilton's, you know, a lot taller than him. Mm. Um, Shilton's got his hand up to try and punch it away. Maradona puts his hand up, knocks it past Shilton, looks to the linesman, looks to the referee. No one is saying no goals after he runs off and celebrates. Yeah, The it's... England team, you know, circle the referee, point to their hand saying, how can you not see it? And the referee chews them away. Yeah, it's it's... Well, I think the 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 lead up to the goal was quite interesting because yeah, as you say it's sort of an attempted one-two, but it's 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 actually Steve Hodge's foot that the ball comes off, which is why because Maradona's uh, offside for one, mm. but he's not because the ball comes off Steve Hodge's foot, and then you've got <laughs> this kind of wooden Peter Shilton attempted to make a run out from the six-yard box to clear this ball, and it's he's I I, I told you Shilton had come up, but <laughs> but I've I've got I made notes that like. He's so slow to come off his line. And I know yeah. it's really cliche to say nowadays, but it's it really is an embarrassment that he wasn't able to punch that ball clear. Like, I, I get why, like, well, I don't get why, but he continues to sort of bring up the hand of God goal in interviews and stuff like that. Oh, Maradona was a cheat, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's awful. It, it's, it's not good goalkeeping play on his part, really. Either come and get yeah. the ball properly or stay on your line. Um, and yeah, it was the, the, the goalkeeping play from Peter Shilton was was absolutely terrible but the whole the hand of god thing for maradona like he he's made a point but maradona has been quoted as saying before that like, football is about it's a game of deception and being cunning 
And whether that means sort of fainting to go one way and then go and leaving a defender for dead and going the other way or sort of slyly using your hand. And it's not it's not even the only time he does it in the World Cup because we'll get Mm. on to another game later on where he does it again. But it's about getting away with what you can in order to win a game. And that's a really big thing in, in Argentinian football culture as well. There is this notion of can you deceive the referee? Can you get away with things? Can you can you be sneaky? Can you be cunning? Can you use your guile to um, get things that maybe you shouldn't? So, you know, England sitting there going, well, you know, we invented this game and we, you know, we played by the rules or whatever. It's like, well, we've seen some of the tackles that you did on Maradona. I don't, mm. I don't think which, you can quite say that. With, which uh, aren't cunning. They're not sly. Yeah. They're not, mm. they're not deceitful in any way. They're extremely like loud crash bang wallop tackles into the, mm. the thighs and the chest of Diego Maradona and, and everyone else and like others in the Argentinian side. So the abuse that he received, it's, like no less of a cheat than what he actually did to score that goal but then but then four minutes later you get one of the most exquisite pieces of play in world cup history full stop that i think completely cancels out what happened four minutes previous yeah if you're going to watch this game i would say don't bother focusing on the hand of god we've all seen it a million times the second goal is you know it's breathtaking it's it's poetry you know it's one of if not the greatest goal of all time um and even describing it won't do it justice but it's this ability so the ball the move starts in their own half maradona picks up the ball in his own half he turns and skips away from two england players um who are marking him and sort of there's another third on rushing he moves the ball downfield skips past another two skips past an on-rushing Peter Shilton and scores. And there's a bit, the comment, the Argentinian commentator is in tears um, saying, thank you God for football and for Maradona. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like, it's, you know, it, it's another level. Like I say, the, the commentators, the Argentinian commentators, they, they are struggling for words. They're in tears at what they've just seen. Maradona single-handedly just going, well, if we want to get the ball in the net, I'll just do it myself then. Yeah. And it's, it's I think what um, what's so beautiful about the effort itself is that it's it's how how short of a time span it takes. It's, it's 10.8 seconds, 44 mm. strides and 12 touches to sort of bury the ball whilst being clattered by Terry Butcher. And just how 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 little actually goes into the goal, but yet what makes it so brilliant? It's like such a quick and like fast piece of play, and then the feint to kind of put Peter Shilton on his ass and and slide like sort of just roll the ball into an empty net is yeah it's breathtaking. It's it's such a yeah it's so so brilliant. It defies words to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult to talk about on a podcast because like you know just just honestly just watch the goal. It's excellent. <laughs> And it's these two goals. When we talk about him, him being loved and hated in equal measure, you've got the first goal where people are calling him a, a cheat, and the second goal, which is just absolute genius. That's Maradona. You know, you can you can hate him, you can love him. Uh, he will make you feel both things. Yeah, in the space of four minutes, that's the the dichotomy of the character, really, isn't it? It's it's both things. It's the the cheat and the genius at the same time. Hmm. Perfect. The semi-final um, is a 2-0 win versus Belgium where Maradona scores both of the goals. And this is Maradona um, 
you know, increasing his influence on games as it goes on. This is him, you know, as we talk about him sort of grabbing this tournament by the scruff of its neck, you know, dragging his his whole team forward. Um, there's a quote from Maradona ahead of this game, and he said, you know, nobody believed in us. This is a punch in the face to those who doubted this team. You know, <laughs> this is how passionate he was there sort of saying, no, we know what we are capable of. And, and you know, the criticism fires him up. You know, this is what, what gets him going. Yeah. And, you know, this win, for me, it was like a point of destiny that they were going to win the whole thing. Um, and, and uh, you know, a slight tactical change as well. Maradona's playing in a shadow shadow striker role as opposed to, you know, in, in the midfield. So he has been pushed into a slightly more advanced role as well um, because it's like, well, God knows what he's capable of. Let's get the absolute most out of him. So Argentina do get the ball in the net early, but um, funnily enough, ironically enough, it's actually given f- uh, f- for hand uh, given off a handball um, by Valdano. Um, slight bit of karmic retribution, I suppose. But, um, not, not, and I, I actually watched the BBC coverage, like highlights of this game. Yeah. You've got like I think it's John Motson or something saying, "Ah, oh, well, you know, that won't mean a lot to the English now." But you know, oh, there is a bit of karma. There's a bit of retribution. <laughs> yeah, it's caught up with him a game later, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, Maradona um, gets both goals in this game, um, as we mentioned. The first goal. Um, I think it's I think it's Valdano's got the ball. He holds onto it until Maradona runs into space, and then the ball is like cut through the Belgian defence, and Maradona gets on the end of it and makes it one nil. Um, but he's like, it's a really clever goal because he's surrounded by two defenders, but somehow he manages to get the ball away and get it into the net. Yeah, he manages to just kind of chip it over the on-rushing keeper, doesn't he? It's mm. quite an inspired finish, to be fair, because the ball's kind of rolled into him at speed and he just kind of clips it over as the... He's yeah, trapped by two defenders and as the keeper kind of rushes to close down the space, he manages to get it over him and into the back of the net. The second goal, the reason why I think that this is potentially more impressive is, again, it's this one-sided nature of this sort of, you know, one man having this level of influence on a World Cup, on on a tournament, on a game or whatever. In any other tournament, in any other edition of the World Cup, this goal would be the goal of the tournament. Yeah, uh, without you know, a doubt. Taking the ball, skipping past three Belgians, then a fourth, lashing it past the keeper before the keeper can even get a hand up to try and save it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's such a, another like excellent solo goal just a game after the last one's come. So he's just proving again and again that given, given a bit of time, given a bit of space, he'll just de- destroy mm. an entire side. Yeah, I mean... What, what more can you say? I mean, Maradona has a you know single-handedly basically, you know, takes them to the World Cup final versus West Germany. I don't know if there was anything else that you wanted to say on the Belgian game. No, the Belgian game was was um, Im- Im- impressive in terms of an individual performance. Um, but <laughs> like I say I think the the majority of my notes for this kind of whole tournament just came from the eighty-six quarter final. So mm. yeah, now we've got to it manages to take this entire this this whole team to to the final. Um, and it starts off pretty well for them because they go one nil up inside twenty three minutes. So, yeah, I mean, Maradona himself, he said that, um, you know, he said you know Germany went into the game with a better track record, and they thought that we were going to chicken out. That never happened. We were coming for them. So, you've got this mentality of the Germans thinking, oh well, this lucky little Argentina side that's been able to get here. Well, we're West Germany. We're big and strong, and we will beat you. 
and Maradona's gone, oh no, no, you you want us to, to think that we're going to, you know, wuss out of this. You you want us to think that we're not up for this. So, like you say, to go, well, they, they go two up in the game, um, you know, to be, you know, leading for the vast majority of the game, um, you know, shows the, the mentality shift that, you know, the Argentinians had. But, as it always is when you play against the Germans, you can you can never rule them out, um, and they do concede. They do concede two goals in the seventy fourth and eighty first minute. So it's you know you, you you know right tail end business end of the game, and it's all to play for. Yeah, they get pegged back. It's it's so late, and and a lot of teams in that situation, I think, would fold and buckle and and just kind of let their shoulders drop because yeah, the seventy fourth minute you got Rummenigger. It's it's a poacher's finish from a corner. And then, because the corner's kind of swung in, it gets nodded down and then just touched in by the captain and just, just with a quarter of an hour left. And then just six minutes, six, seven minutes later, there's another corner, another nod down, and it's headed in from four yards out by, by Rudy Voller. So, mm. and that's such a, it must with, with less than 10 minutes remaining, that's got to be like a heartbreaking equaliser to, to concede. But you just kind of, I think there's, there's footage of Maradona kind of just with his head sort of rolled back, like, oh, okay. Right, and he kind of just laces yeah. up his boots, and you're like, right, okay, here we go. We've got we've got six minutes left, or was seven or eight minutes left to kind of mm. for, to salvage this, and and it's Maradona that releases Burachago with a lofted ball over the defence for for what turns out to be the winner. So, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible pass. I mean, it's this sort of first time pass, <laughs> splitting the entire West German midfield and back four. Um, Burachago races clear and then just slides the ball past uh, Harold Schumacher, which I think is a great name as well, <laughs> yeah. to make it 3-2. Yeah. Um, I love the scene right at the end of the game. You know, the crowd are like on their feet. They're waiting for the final whistle. The whistle goes, Argentina win, Maradona is a world champion. Yeah, it's um, they Argentina go from, from what we described earlier as kind of perceived like no hopers no none of the media none of the Argentinian fans really expect them to go go mm. to do any damage in this tournament they go from that to, to world champions and this whole through the this whole tournament like I've never seen I've never heard of a tournament be influenced so much by one player mm. um never heard like never one man and made such a difference to it to his whole team he dragged them from from literally not a lot of chance of winning to winning the whole thing um and his yeah um, yeah i think he he may not have come into this tournament as the world's best player he would have been to some but he's definitely left it as you know the the top of the pile yeah without a doubt the the performances he puts in in this world cup having also having just won like the, the the league title with napoli and it's just yeah, he he leaves it as the world's best player without a doubt. And his his quotes after the game are excellent. He, he, there's there was a there was a um a quote at the start of a video I watched of I think it was just his highlights from from the World Cup final. And Maradona just says, "Getting to know what the World Cup weighs, what it feels like to hold it in your hands, is the greatest thing that can happen to a footballer." And it clearly means so much to him having mm. having missed out on the home win in '78, not being able to touch the trophy then, you know just what is it eight years yeah. later he's able to pick it up as captain he's the first he's the first person that gets given the trophy um and there's so many like iconic photographs from from that day as he's kind of holding holding the oh, trophy yeah. in his hands in the in the baking heat of of mexico yeah and the, the scenes in buenos aires after returning home as well are 
you know, the whole country is just a total party. Um, you know, Maradona ends up on the cover of every major sport and football magazine on earth, from Sports Illustrated to L'Equipe, you know, you name it. He is a total global superstar, Get now getting ready to head back to Naples to see what happens next. I mean, you know, when you talk about players at their absolute peak, you know, people like to look back and go, you know, th- this is when they were at their best. Um, and normally it's in reference to things that they've been doing with their their clubs. But, you know, as, as we've said before, Maradona is most remembered by people outside of Italy um, and, and Argentina, probably, as, you know, for the performances in the Argentina shirt. And, and this is this is the peak. Yeah, for, for perspective on this tournament, I've got the rundown of everything he contributed towards towards these games and mm. so Argentina 3 South Korea 1 first game Maradona gets 3 assists second game against Italy he gets a goal third game against Bulgaria he gets an assist in a 2-0 win the uh, last 16 game against uh, Uruguay nothing but he does hit the crossbar with a free kick and had a goal wrongly disallowed the game, is, game against England in a 2-1 win he gets both goals the game against Belgium a 2-0 win he gets both goals and then the game against West Germany he assists on the winner so in every single game, he was the difference maker, essentially. Mm. And that just shows exactly what he did throughout that tournament to, to drag that to drag that side all the way from from, from nothing to, to winners. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to part one. We'll see you in part two as we continue our look over Diego Maradona's World Cup career.